You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Bless you, brother. Thank you. Amen. Well, it's so good to see everyone here tonight. And good to see all the visitors, like my wife. And hang on, I left one of my fisherman's friends back here. I got one. Okay. Left the water. There's another fisherman's friend. I'm looking for a trout land around here. Maybe I'll get one. Anybody? I, I, I have one person in here. I don't see her, but fisherman's friend. There she is. All right. I, I've given my advertisement out, and I get a little bit of kickback for anybody that will buy a little pack of fisherman's friend. They are awesome. And very, very, very good. Well, I want you to turn your Bibles, if you would, over to the book of Luke chapter number 17. Luke chapter number 17. I love to do research. Um, I tell you what, I may tell you that story tomorrow night. I think I'm going to tell you another story about, since we've got a young couple over here. We've got a lot of old couples over here. I mean, anyway. <laughs> so if you're in this section, okay. Anyway, um, there was a young couple. This young man goes to his, um, he goes to his dad. He says, Dad, I love her so much. But he said, I know I can never marry her because my feet stink so bad. It's bad. He said, son, not a problem. He said, you just always wear socks when you go to bed. Everything will be fine. Well, the young lady goes to the mom and says, Mom, I love him, but I know I can't ever marry him because my breath is so bad. She said, Dear, that's not a problem. Before he ever gets up in the morning, you go, you gargle, you brush your teeth, everything will be great. Well, they get married. Two weeks of honeymoon bliss. He's wearing his socks. She's brushing her teeth. One morning before his wife gets up, the young man, he wakes up, and the room reeks. He's never smelled anything like that in his life. And he realizes one of his socks is missing. So he's scrounging around trying to find his sock and he accidentally hits his new bride. And she wakes up and she leans over and she says, what's the matter, dear? He said, oh, I think you swallowed one of my socks. <laughs> so, where are your socks, boy? <laughs> All right, Luke chapter number 17. Tomorrow night I'm going to tell you about, if I can remember, I'll tell you about some of my, my studies in ancient marriage customs. It's going to be kind of pick on the young couple, okay? Tomorrow night, remind me, okay? All right, tomorrow night. Well, Luke chapter number 17, we have an interesting chapter here. Uh, after almost 48 years of preaching, I found that one of the hardest things that I, that I'm talking about me personally, not because it kind of goes back to some things that we talked about over here at the table. I got a lot of good illustrations tonight, by the way, after the meal. I hope we have another good meal like that tomorrow night. But uh, I found, you know, um, my responsibility um, as a child of God, whether I'm a preacher or not, but my responsibility is maintaining right relationships. That's my, my responsibility. Um, the second part of my responsibility is mending broken relationships. What the devil wants to do in our lives, our churches, our homes, marriages, friendships, he wants to divide because the ultimate goal, if I read the book of 1 Peter chapter number 5, 
um, verse number eight correctly, his ultimate goal is to destroy. Amen. Uh, he tried to conquer God. He tried to dethrone God, but he couldn't do that. So ever since then, he has, he has been out to destroy the work of God. Everything that God has ever done, the devil has been there to try to destroy it. Started in the Garden of Eden. And the three great institutions of the Lord, of course, we know, started out with the home, the number one institution. We know how he's infiltrated the home to destroy the home. Uh, we know how that government is an institution of God to maintain order in our societies. And we know what the, what the devil has done in our governments. And then uh, we know that this great institution of the local church, how the devil has gotten in the mix and will destroy every, or I should say, try to destroy every Bible-preaching, God-honoring church. Amen. And the way, I think the number one way that he does that is going to be by division. He's going to do everything he can to, to disrupt harmony. Harmony yes, in the home, disrupt, to disrupt the home by division, and to ultimately destroy the home. And that is not just between a husband and wife, because sometimes it is between parents and children. Sometimes it's between children. Any way to disrupt the devil's going to do that. And so everybody here tonight, we are all in this ship. There's not anybody that can point a finger at anybody else and say, hey, I am excluded. It is not my problem. It is all of our problems right. because we are a target. The moment that you got saved, you didn't know that. You had an enemy before you got saved because the devil never has, he has never been your, been your friend. He's always tried, his purpose is to destroy every lost person that they would go to hell. But when you got saved, you got a real target on your back. And so don't think that because, well, I'm not a preacher, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm a teenager or whatever, and, and you kind of tuck yourself away in a corner and you don't talk much, you're kind of hidden away, and, and you think that you're invisible. You're not invisible. Amen. There are two that know you're there. The yeah. Lord, number one, knows you're there. Yeah. He knows who you are. But the devil knows who you are also. Right. And he will, he will use you um, to help destroy somebody else's life. In the process of him destroying your life, he's going to do that. And so in Luke chapter number 17, and, and I would ask you tonight, if you would stand with me. Uh, I know you've been standing, but I want to give you just a moment to stand. I know the pews have, or the, the seats have got a little bit of padding on them, but it's not very thick. Okay, so this will give you a moment to a break, but also in reverence to God's word primarily. Verse number one, it says, Then said he unto, unto the, uh, excuse me, Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible that offenses will come, but woe unto him that uh, through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day turn again to thee saying, I repent, Thou shalt forgive him. And the, the apostle said unto the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Verse 7, But which of you? Now let's pray. Father, as we come before you this evening, how we thank you for the sweet, sweet fellowship in the spirit of this church, thank you for uh, Brother Jesse, Miss Melanie, and, and all the good church folk here and, and the church from Sioux City, how we thank you for their presence. And But most of all, we thank you for the 
presence of the Holy Spirit of the Lord who lives in our hearts tonight. We thank you for your word. I thank you for the authority of your word, and I thank you for the guidance of your word. And I pray tonight we'll understand the part that the word of God plays in our life, in every part of our life. So please have your way, we pray. We thank you and bless your name. And if there's one again tonight, as the preacher's already prayed, if there's one that happens to be here tonight lost, we know it's not by happenstance, it's not by chance, they're here. And Father, it's a divine appointment that they would have with a holy God of heaven. So I pray that you would have your way. And then if there's one tonight that's here that's struggling with whatever that they may be struggling with, may that need be met in Christ through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. And, and you may be seated. I'm gonna give you about three quarters of a message of introduction, then I'll give you the last few little few minutes in my of the message as the message itself so this this um today i looked in the mirror i found three hairs and we're gonna have three points to the message okay that's the way it works with me i'm very theological in everything i do actually bible college i didn't take homiletics i should have but i didn't and uh, and it, you'll see why in a moment that i should have but i didn't but anyway um in this chapter you know when i think about problems um we we will try if, if at all costs we're going to try to avoid problems between ourselves we, we were going to do that but when I look at verse number one it there is something that is absolutely it kind of jumps off at you when you read it it says then said he unto the disciples it is impossible but that offenses will come do not think that your church is exempt from problems Amen. Don't think that your family will be exempt from divisions and problems and strife and bitterness and envy and all of the things that go with it. Don't think that you will be that way. You as an individual, you as a family member, you as a church member, it is going to happen. One other thing that I notice in verse number one is that there is a great, great warning against... Now, we know they're going to happen. The offenses are going to come. But at, at the same time, in verse number one, there is a great warning for those who would allow them to come, okay? Because I believe, in, in all essence, in reality, uh, they come because we open ourselves up to allowing them to happen. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we do it because of pride. Sometimes we do it because we're just dumb, uh, you know. We could say the other stupid word, but we're not going to say that word. We're going to say dumb, you know. Uh, you know, but, but they're going to happen. And so in this chapter, we, we deal with the offender and the offended. So we are both, we're going to be in one of these two places in our life because you're not going to get out alive. It's just like a kid. You, a person that doesn't go, that, that leaves this world, I'm talking about a, an adult, a person that leaves this world without a scar on you, you haven't lived. Right. I mean, you've got to have a bicycle wreck. You're going to have to have something happen to you. If not, we're going to take you out and just throw you down just so you have a scar. You know? We don't want you to leave unscathed. And so in, even in spiritual life, you are going to trip up. You're going to mess up. How many teenagers tonight, how many young people here that you have never had a problem with, with your other teenage friend, teenager friends, never had a problem, never had an issue, no drama, you know, never, okay? It happens. That, that's, what, that's the way life is. And so here we have this story that uh, the Lord is telling them that these are going to happen. It's going to happen, but whoa, put on the brakes, take heed, pay attention, and let it be rare in your life when it does happen, okay? 
But then he goes on to say, he said, now here's what happens. If somebody offends you, here's what you're to do. Uh, you're to, um, if he offends you, you're to rebuke him. If he repents, you're to, you're, or excuse me, uh, rebuke him. If, re, if he repents, you're to forgive him. But then he talks about this guy that comes up. And this is kind of, I mean, think about the story for just a second. He says, here's a, a person that has offended you. And so now you're the offender. He's offended you, and he says, would you please forgive me? Well, what you going to do? He has disarmed you by coming up and saying, would you forgive me? What am I going to nah, you dirty rat. And that does happen. So he comes up, and he goes away. You've forgiven him. He comes up a little while later, and Evan comes up, and he says, would you forgive me? I said, okay, Evan, I'll forgive you. And a little while later, here he comes back. Would you? For okay, we're on number three, okay, boy? What is your problem? You know, I would think by the seventh time, something's going to give. I'm going to have to keep forgiving him or I'm just going to have to leave. I mean, this, this, you know. He says, if he comes to you seven times, we know one place he said seven times 70, and so 490 times, if they keep coming back, come, come. you know what you're supposed to do? You are to forgive him. Now, all of a sudden, now, when he makes that statement, we have no problem if somebody, if somebody offends me and I forgive him that one time. But what am I going to do if he keeps coming back and asking me to forgive him? Now, I want you to understand tonight, what he is giving us is a picture of God's throne of Amen. grace. Amen. That's, the, that's exactly what we have. So you know what we're to be? We are to be imitators Amen. of what happens for us every single day of our life. Amen. When we approach God, can I tell you what we have tonight? We have a God that is holy, that is sinless and spotless. We have a God of wrath and of judgment. We have a God that is absolutely to be feared. The creator and sustainer of all. But at the same time, aren't you glad that on the flip side of, it, of that, we have a God of love. Yes. We have a God of mercy. Amen. A God of grace. Amen. Can I give you another word? We have a God that is long-suffering. Yes, man, man I, when, I look at, when I look at myself in the mirror and I see what I am, I, I want to say <laughs> praise the Lord and hallelujah for a God that would be long-suffering. That He loves me so much that He will, he will have patience with me. Yes, sir. That He will keep the access open, the yes. door open, yes. that I might approach Him at any time and able to come before Him and I can get forgiveness. Aren't yes. you glad yes. that the blood that cleansed yes, us from our sin the moment we were saved at the day of our, the moment of our salvation is the same cleansing power that is able to wash us from all iniquity and I'm glad that I can come before him and have an advocate with the Father. Amen. I'm glad Jesus Christ the righteous who, righteous who was my advocate the day that I got saved that spoke up for me. I'm glad he ever speaks up for me. Amen. Not to keep Amen. me saved but to keep me in right fellowship. Amen. The relationship, not positionally, but the relationship that ought to be there. And when I talk about relationships, I'm talking about keep, keeping me on speaking terms. Yes. Yes. Keeping me on speaking terms with Him. And so we have here this picture. But listen, here's what happens when the Lord says, Thou shalt forgive Him. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't an option. It was a command. Amen. Amen. Here's why. In, in six 
out of 10 commandments that we find of the 10 commandments, six out of those 10 commandments, did you know that six of them deal with relationships this way? Six out of 10. Nothing, you, you think, well, it should have been maybe four out of the 10 and six of them having to do with this relationship. But when I read my Bible, I find, as a matter of fact, did you know the greatest commandment, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, that commandment? Did you know that even in the greatest commandment, attached to that commandment, yeah. is again this thing of this relationship. Yes. And thy neighbor mm. as thyself. Here's why. When I look over in the book of 1 Peter chapter number 3 and he talks about husband-wife relationships, do you know what can hinder my prayers? Is my relationship being wrong with my wife? Yeah. And so if my relationship with you is not right, my relationship with him absolutely cannot be right. Yeah. It cannot be right. Because if I've got bitterness, if I've got an unforgiving spirit with my brother or my sister whom I can, who I can see, then how in the world am I not going to have the right relationship with God, the one that I cannot see? Impossible. I cannot. And so he gives them this statement, thou shalt forgive him. Wait a minute, Lord, I've already given him, forgiven him six times and now he's coming again. Thou shalt forgive him. Can I say, can I tell you? That even goes for the first time. There's sometimes that people offend us, people hurt us, people do things to us. And can I tell you some of the times that it happens? And maybe the deepest wound that we get from this thing is when it comes from people that we don't expect to be that kind of a person. That's, right. mm -hmm. yeah. That's when it really hurts. Mm -hmm. It could be from a preacher. It could be from a Sunday school teacher. It, is, it comes from somebody that you have held in high esteem, that somebody that you have really put on a pedestal. And when they offend you, man, it cuts to the quick. Man, you didn't expect that out of them. So this command that thou shalt forgive him is not just on the seventh time, but it's on the first time and the second time and the third time and the fourth. And it's a command that we are to forgive. Now, I want you to notice what happens when verse number four, he says thou shalt forgive him. Look at verse number five. A lot of times we want to pull verse number five out of the context and think that has something to do with something else. So look what the response is in verse number five. And the apostle said unto him, Lord, increase our faith. In other words, Lord, what you have just given to us is more than our faith can handle. You remember the mill barrel that, um, that when Elijah went over there to the widow of Zarephath yeah, yeah. and she had the mill barrel and every time she'd go, there was always mill there, uh, there in the barrel. And man, every time, and so that was her faith barrel. What the Lord has just done in this, in this command, thou shalt forgive him, he has overloaded, he's overcharged the faith circuit. He's overcharged and overloaded that mill, that barrel of faith and they couldn't handle it. Can I tell you, sometimes the Lord is going to tell us to do something that our faith cannot handle. It happened to us the other, not too long ago, and I'm not going to get into all, all that, but it was something that the Lord was, was commanding. He was telling us, here's what you're going to do. And man, it was just a little bit more than my wife. Our faith could handle. Man, we've been saved for all these years. You thought, oh, good night, preacher. You, you've been preaching all these years. You ought to have faith that it did. You know, I wish it was that easy. Sometimes what the Lord is going to tell me to do is going to overload me. I'm not going to be able to handle it. So, Lord, I want you to increase my faith. And that's going to happen to every single one of us. So what I'm going to share with you is the principle here that not only has to do with this thing of forgiveness to make sure our relationship with each other is right, but to make sure that what he tells me to do, that I keep this relationship right. Because 
this that he told them was a command. And when he gives me something that I'm to do and I disobey him, all of a sudden, I have become the offender. I have offended him. So this thing just keeps on and on and on and on. So he gives them this. So here's Peter. Can you imagine? You've got to get a picture of Peter the way he is. Peter is thinking, you know what? This kind of faith is the kind of faith I needed to get out of that boat that day. I'm going to have to get out on I'm going to walk on that water, you know, and, and I'm going to have to have, I need you, Lord, to increase my faith. So now, let's get into the message tonight. Number one, we're going to talk about the size of faith. When they say, Lord, increase our faith, look at verse number six. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as the grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. When I think about this first point, the size of the faith. Can I tell you tonight, this was not a faith problem. We always want to make it a faith problem. Well, preacher, I just don't have enough faith. I just don't think my faith can handle doing that. How many people have quit church because what they, that the Lord was leading them to do or what the preacher wanted said, you know, this is, this is what you need to do in your life. If you want to get your marriage straightened out, or if you're going to get your life straightened out, if, you're going to, if you want to be right with God, you're going to have to stop this thing, you're going to have to do this thing, and they walk out the door. Preacher, I just don't have enough faith. I don't have your kind of faith. The Lord is telling them in verse number 6, in response to verse number 5, it is not a faith problem. It's not a faith problem. Now look, they didn't ask to have faith because they already had faith. How do I know they had faith? I remember one time in John chapter number 6 when the Lord Jesus was preaching and that crowd of people that were there, they got everything all twisted up when he said, you got to drink my blood and eat my flesh. They got it all mixed up. They thought they had to literally drink the blood of Christ and literally eat the flesh of Christ in order for them to have eternal life. And it was all spiritual. What he was saying to them, you've got to receive me. You've got to receive me. And if you don't receive me in your heart, you have no part of me. They were getting it all mixed up and they walked away. So the Lord turns to the, to, the, uh, to the disciples and he says, will you also go away? And Peter speaks up and says, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. So they had faith. They, when, when, the, when the leaders of Israel had rejected, flat out rejected Christ from being the Messiah, these men stood believing that he was indeed the Messiah, the Christ of God. I, I think about John chapter number 1. I love in that verse of Scripture, they beheld his glory. I mean, we're talking about the Son of God that came into this world, but he was robed with a veil of flesh. And that glory, a lot of people say, well, he left his glory behind. He didn't leave his glory behind. He left nothing behind. His glory was veiled with the robe of flesh. But by faith, they were able to look beyond the veil of flesh and absolutely see the glory of God, of the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ. They had faith. It wasn't a problem of faith. It was not an issue of faith. They had faith. So he says, if you've got faith, as a, as a size of a grain of mustard seed. Now, I got my fisherman's friend. And I could break it, I could break it down to I only had a smidgen of a... Of a and this is a half of a, of, a, of a fisherman's friend. I keep plugging it so we all go by and I get a, re, a kickback. Right? But if I were to break a little bit of that off, you know what? Just a tiny bit of this fisherman's friend is going to have the same ingredients 
as the whole fisherman's friend. I can take one out of the bag of fisherman's friend. And that one out of the bag of the fisherman's friend is going to have the same ingredients as the whole bag of fisherman's friend. It's the same thing. It may be smaller, but it's the same thing. So here he says, now I'm not going to talk about a big old watermelon kind of a faith or a big old mountain size of faith. I'm talking about a bitty tiny speck of faith, little bitty mustard seed faith. And if you've got that, that kind of mustard seed faith, let me tell you. So he's telling them it was not a faith problem. It's not. Because you know what it is? What the Lord is going to tell me to, to do and what he's going to tell you to do, he's going to get us out of our comfort zone because I want to stay where it's comfortable for me. And God will always move me out of my comfort zone because it's not a faith problem. It's a comfort zone problem that I got. Amen. So if I forget, see, if somebody does me wrong, I enjoy my bitterness. I enjoy getting to talk to people and say, did you hear what he did to me? Do you know what she, I mean, I, I enjoy that. Man, I'm the victim here. I want you to feel sorry for me. Man, this is my problem. I mean, this is me. I've been done wrong. But let me tell you, when it comes to getting right with God, i got to be right with that person. And he's going to get me out of my comfort zone. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What if God has something for me to do in my life? What if God wants me to serve him? And he wants me to step out of my comfort zone of just getting in my car, driving over to the church, sitting in the pew, enjoying the service, getting back in my car, go home, come back, go home, come back. What if God says, hey, you got a rut that's so deep you'll never get out of that Grand Canyon. I'm going to get you out of the comfort zone. Some people's life is such a rut, they don't have to hold on to the steering wheel. They just sit back and take it easy and the car's going to go where it's always gone. God says, I'm going to make you get out of your comfort zone and do what you don't feel like doing. It's not a problem with your faith, not, not the size of your faith. Number one, the size of faith. It's not the problem of faith. Number two, it is the service of faith. I want you to look again at verse number six. And the Lord said, if you, had, if you had faith as the grain of mustard seed, you might say unto the sycamine tree, that be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. Would you notice the word that is the key word of this whole thing? And that is the word obey. you got a little bitty ton of faith, a little, little bitty ton of, a tiny bit of faith. And if you've got just that much faith, and if you were to say to that sycamine, which is, was probably a, kind of like a fig tree of a sort of a thing, or even the book of Matthew talks about a mountain, you could say to that mountain, that tree over there, be thou plucked up and be thou planted in the sea. It would obey you. So it's not the we don't need no we don't need any more faith. You got faith? Don't need any more faith. So now we're coming to this thing. Remember, he says, What are you what are you gonna do if he comes the seventh time and asks you to forgive him? What did he say you're gonna do? Forgive him. I'm gonna forgive him. And that is a command. Verse number six now, we have the word obey. So now we're gonna get into the service. I want you to look at the next verse, verse number seven. But which of you having a servant? Now, I want you to notice at this word, the first word of verse number seven. 
That word is a linking word, is a conjunction. And that word tells me that this parable from verse number 7 down to verse number 10 goes along with what he's talking about in those previous verses, talking about forgiveness, talking about you got to forgive. It is a command. You forgive. So now we come to this word obey. Now he's going to give us an illustration about what it's all about. Look what he says. And verse number seven, but which of you having a servant plowing or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by when he, when he's come from the field, go and sit down to meet. Would you notice something about this? In that verse number seven, you will not find one super spiritual thing that the servant was asked to do. Nothing glorious, nothing spotlight glamorous. He was going to go out, verse number seven, and he was going to plow. Anybody in here, in here ever, uh, that's a dumb question, asking in farmland and, and cattle. Anybody ever plowed before? There is nothing glorious and glamorous about plowing, okay? <laughs> nothing. It is plain, old, hard work. So he tells the servant, he said, I want you to go over there, I want you to plow. Or he said, I want you to, f to feed cattle. Or I want you to... Go into the field. And, and so he's telling all the... Then he says, um, I want you to come home and I want you to fix me something to eat. All of a sudden now, verse number seven, we have these commands. You're going to do this, 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 and this. And it's nothing that is super spiritual. You're not going to get... Here's the thing. You're not going to get any woo-hoo, glory bump, and hallelujah, glory to God. I'm going to shout all the church. Kind of a feeling when we're simply doing what we're told to do. So often we want our life to be uh, walking through the clouds and tiptoeing through the glory tulips when we serve God, when it is just hard work. The, my faith, when I truly believe God, you know what my faith is going to do? My faith is going to react to the Word of God. Amen. My faith comes from the Word of God. And my faith is going to react to the Word of God. And my response is going to be, when God says it, then I'm going to do it. When we talk about exercising faith, you know what exercising faith is? It's doing what God says. Amen. Just doing what He says. I talked last night about my mama up there at, at, uh, at uh, Sioux, which city falls? Sioux Falls. Y'all yes. ought to change your names around here some for us mornings, you know. Good night. You know, I talked about my mom. My mom was four feet eleven. I told him up there that my goal in life was to be as tall as my mom. You know, four feet eleven. And when I was a little kid, she was a giant of a woman. I'm telling you, my dad never spanked me. Never one time spanked me because there was nothing left when my mama got done. <laughs> I, I told him how my mom, she would go out and we call him in, in Tennessee a hickory. It didn't, come, didn't, mind if it came, didn't matter if it came from a hickory tree or what kind of tree, you know. My mom, four foot eleven, from far as my mom could reach, there were no limbs from there down, okay? And then when he, all the limbs were gone, she used to, then she started sending us out to get them, you know. We could reach a little higher, you know, Sorry. from that point down, you know. Anyway, so my mama, when she would go out and, uh, and she'd get on to us or whatever, um, there was fear and trembling in what my mama said. There was no glory in what my mama told us to do. My mama had no girls. I can out-dishwash any girl in the building. <laughs> I have still got dishpan hands, you know? Make a bed, right, Karen? My wife got a jewel when she got me. 
She had, she's had double knee replacements, and when she, a first knee replacement, and here she's laying in bed, you know, she can't get out and do anything. I think part of that was put on, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> wrong thing to say right there. Okay, now this is practical time. Would you forgive me? <laughs> the Bible says, <laughs> But I, I, hey, I was in there cooking cornbread and biscuits and gravy at Southern and she didn't like grits and picking grits, but man, we were eating green beans and mashed potatoes, and I'd throw on a little bit of this and that and the other. And she said, Why didn't you tell me? I'm not a dummy. I'm gonna look it. Okay. And so, uh, you know, I don't know where I'm going with all that. <laughs> There's nothing glorious. When my brother and I were in there washing dishes, one day, my baby, my brother next to me, younger, and I'm the second, the second child, okay, remember? Second child. My, my older brother and me, when we were in there washing dishes, we were fussing and grumbling and complaining. We hated every second of it. We hated it. But my mama said we had to do it. There was nothing glorious. Oh, hallelujah, we get to do the dishes. No. No. The service of faith. Faith is not what we go around and boast about Amen. of all this glorious power that we got and man, we're going to pop you in the head and man, we're going to do this, that. Faith is simply reading, studying, and obeying God's Word. Amen. Whether we like it or not. Yes. That's right. When I see the simplicity of faith, when I look at these verses of Scripture, and I come down through here. The simplicity of this is that this servant, when he was told to go, he went. What he was told to do, he just did it. When I read these verses of Scripture, in verse number 9, I love this. He says, doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I love this next phrase, I trow not. He had to bend from Tennessee to talk like that. Okay? In, simply, in simple English, he said, did he thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Simply stated is, I don't think so. Yes. Why? He's the Lord and he's the servant. Mm -hmm. He's the master and we are the servants. And so the simplicity of my faith is, it doesn't matter if, what kind of faith I got. Some people say, well, those people that go to Africa and live in Africa, missionaries in Africa and all this, oh, they got, they got great faith and oh my goodness, well, all they did, and I can say all we did, we, we were told to go. Mm -hmm. I'd never flown a commercial plane in my life. Never been on a commercial airplane in my life till the day we drove to Atlanta, Georgia. God, and this tells you how long ago. On Eastern Airlines, they don't exist anymore. I put them out of business. Got Eastern <laughs> Airlines, flew up to New York, got on Pan Am Airlines, went to Africa. First time I ever gone on one preach, I want you to know. I told my mama, I said, I will never be able to see you again unless you come to see me. God gave me a fear of flying like I'd never had in my life. I mean, I was scared to death. They were doing stuff up in that plane that never anybody ever do. Man, they were smoking and drinking. I said, good night. This plane's going to fall out of the sky. <laughs> and man, I, I mean, I'm almost fearing trembling. And listen, we were there. Hey, I didn't have great faith. Snakes. We had green mambas, black mambas, cobras, vipers. I am a coward. I have got 
more yellow on me than a banana's got. I got Chiquita written across my chest. <laughs> great faith, man, or great faith. I ain't got great faith. I am a coward. You know? Anybody that talks with this kind of a voice ain't got great faith. You know, man, I wish I had that. I wish I had that kind of voice. But no, I talk like oh, you know. I, I suck on healing balloons. That's what I The simplicity of my faith. Hey, I don't look at other people and say, man, if I had that kind of faith. No. I look in the Word of God and what God says to me from His Word. That is what I do. Pure and simple. If it's forgiveness that I have to do, I do what He tells me to do. I want my life to be right with Him. I want it to be remembered. And I love it. We've had some prayers answered. I got written over my, the very first part of my prayer list are some statements. And one of them is that prayer really matters. Amen. Because you're dealing with eternal matters. Amen. Oh, man, and, and, I, and I've been able to check some things off. Man, what am I? I'm a nobody. But I got a great God who's a somebody. Amen. I want to make sure that my life is right with God. The channel is open. There's nothing, no, there's no clutter. There is no trash that I gotta weave my way around to just to try to get to the throne of God. I've got a clear, clear shot to that place that I need to go every single morning to meet with Him in prayer and in the Word of God. Amen. I gotta have it. Yes. And the only way I'm gonna have it, and the only way I can keep it, is simply being obedient. Amen. So He doesn't thank Him. Sometimes we don't even like it. Be honest. Let's just be honest. It's not a glory hallelujah trip every time we come to church. We sit there and when is that preacher going to shut up? These pews are, these benches, these seats are getting worse and worse. And my goodness, it's awful. It's not always glorious and glamorous. But can I tell you, it's always good. Amen. Always good. Yes, sir. It's always right. And he finishes up in that verse of Scripture, so likewise ye. This is the simplicity of it. I don't need to increase your faith. You got faith. All you got to do is do what I tell you to do. Simple things. Go plow a field. Go feed the cattle. Go fix the meal. Whatever you got to do, just go do it. So likewise ye. When ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say. Now here's the kicker. Say, hey, won't you look at me? Look what I've done. I am somebody. No, 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 no. That's right. We are unprofitable. You know what something is? You know what you do with something that's unprofitable? If a per- yeah, if somebody's got an unprofitable, uh, un- an unprofitable business, you close the business down because you're losing money. Yeah. You've got an employee that doesn't help you make money, you get rid of him. And when I've done everything you told me to do, Lord, I went out and plowed the field to the best of my ability. I mean, I, I took care of the cattle as best as I could. And I fixed the mill as best as I could. But I am worthless to you. I am absolutely worthless. Why would you pay me any attention? 
why'd you, why would you even allow me the privilege of plowing your field and Amen. feeding your cattle or fixing your meal? What, preacher, what I'm doing tonight, I feel like I'm fixing a meal for the Lamb of Glory. And to have this awesome privilege. Amen. I'm nobody. And as we sit here this evening, we are nobodies. Amen. Man, he went to the bottom and he picked us up out of the mire clay. And he began to form us and make us with those hands of love and tender care. Yes, sir. Oh, and he took us home. And we belong to him. We're unprofitable. Unprofitable. For all we did, we have done with that which was our duty to do. And that's what we did. What you told us to do. So this evening, I don't know what God has been dealing with your, your heart. Let me tell you something. I, I don't have to name a thing. I don't say, okay, your problem is this, your problem is that. I don't, the Holy Spirit does that. Amen. But I, w- I will tell you, if, if there is something between you and the Savior tonight, it used to be between you and somebody, and all of a sudden now it's between you and Him because it's not right this way. Or maybe God's dealing with your heart about doing something. I don't, I don't know what it is. But God has showed you. God has spoken to you again. Here's your problem. And if you'll take care of it, the storehouse doors will be open to you if you'll just take care of it. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads about our eyes are closed. The preacher's going to come in just a moment. My Heavenly Fathers, I come before you tonight. What glory it is to be a child of God. The privilege of being able to serve you tonight. And I pray for just a few moments that you would just speak to hearts as only the Holy Spirit of God can. That you and you alone would receive all the honor and praise and glory. The Father, that there will be some business done with God tonight. Some folks that have refused and have rejected. They've said no. The Father, tonight they'll come. They've been waiting on God to do it. But God is waiting on them just to obey. Would you please do a work, I pray, in all of our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray.